Welcome to Crappa Hellboy Podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Yes! Yes! And it's April, folks. And that means all April this year, we're doing The Wild Hunt. Yeah. I really teed that up in a funny way, like that everybody should expect the wild hunt every April, but that's not true, just this April. <laughs> it comes around once a year, we read the wild hunt in April. <laughs> I like it. It's my birthday month. I get to read one of my favorite uh, Hellboy storylines with my good friend Kate and yeah. talk about it. Um I'm very I've been looking forward to this one very much. I've probably already voiced that before, but introducing this storyline, this is like one of those things like, yeah, I love Hellboy. If people want to read, maybe they'll get here. You know what I mean? If they like it as much as I do. Yeah. So having you be able to read it more, I mean, at this point, we've read, we're equal reading. We've, we've read, I've now read more than I had read prior, of course. Am I like caught up to you by reading Uh, I don't think so. Um, no, not in Hellboy. Because okay. I've definitely read the storylines that have come. Um, I think I've already disclosed this for all the listeners. Again, I'm not a professional. I'm not a I'm not a, a scholar of Hellboy. <laughs> you You're not? You can't give me an MBA. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. <laughs> but um I have his his final storyline, like before that, like the I mean the Hellboy comic continues, but the final storyline that we're driving towards now, uh, which is Hellboy in Hell. I have it. I own it. I have a couple of, I think, the issues of it. I've read, like, one or two of, like, the single issues. I have the library edition, but it still has its plastic in it. Oh, okay. Because it's just, I'll be honest, I think. You'll have it ready. I'll have it ready, but I think it's very dense. It's not a very, like, um, I honestly think we're going to, full disclosure, I think we're going to have to bring on, like, actual scholars and people to sort of, like, talk talk about that one in the future because it is it's very heavy it's like there's a lot of referential stuff in it but that's in the near not even near why am i saying near that's in the future (laughs) but that's a rant um but i think once we get to the storm and fury you will be will be equal on equal footing because everything everything soon yeah it does it does feel soon it'll definitely be next Season, not this season of the podcast. Yeah. But um, it is very, it's not that far away. I definitely think we'll be on equal footing because I think everything else going forward, like Witchfinder, BPRD, uh, I think, and there's some other stuff that I'm now blanking on, but those things I will be, we'll be reading them at the same time fresh with fresh eyes versus this is like my, you know, wild hunt. I bought this. This was part of my library edition book when I had a normal day job in <laughs> Santa Monica that I woke up like every day at like six to drive to and, you know, work in an office. I would, I ordered these and they would come to the office. They'd get delivered to the office. I think I, if you, if you scroll through my Instagram buried, I might even have pictures on them where they're like sitting at my office desk. What, when was arrived. this? A few years, oh, like years this, ago? Oh, this, this is like 2010, 2011. Oh, wow, Whenever yeah. these, I was like, I got to the point where I was like, well, I have some money because I have this normal day job. I'm going to just splurge and get myself yeah. to library editions. Whereas now I'm very like, you know, I can't I even be conscious of 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, uh, how many comics do I need to even <laughs> yeah. get on a day, on a monthly basis? Where am I going to house these things? Too? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited. We're, go- we're we're covering, of course, this episode, the Wild Hunt, the first two issues slash chapters. Before you get into introducing me with all the information, Kate, just your like, don't get into details, but I just want to get your overall feelings. Since I love this storyline, um. A lot of I think it's I think it's high up there in like rankings for people of their favorite storylines. Um, I think that's half the appeal of why why people were excited about the newest movie yeah. was that they recreated a lot of stuff from this storyline. What was your like for your impressions? Just your basic impressions off the first two chapters? Oh, I guess it felt it felt quick to me, probably because I had seen the movie. First, and it's sort of the movie, like you said, like seems to have just taken a lot from this run and like kind of stretched it out. I mean, I love Fagredo and I don't know. It just made me want to. I mean, sadly, I feel like I thought of the movie a lot because of how much <laughs> it took from this. But, um, you know, I think like both the fact that like you can kind of draw whatever you want and you have no like budget for all the crazy shit you can draw. Like, yeah. I think that this version of it is better. It just feels, like, more fleshed out. And, you know, Figueroa just makes the world feel really rich. Yeah, so far I like it. It makes me want to see, like, the other change, like, the other things that kind of deviate from the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, the movie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put a little uh, mansplaining uh, bullshit on that. Explain uh, away. The, the movie deviated. The movie deviated. From this source material, not the source material. Right. I'm I'm being an ass on purpose. Like you look like your grandpa. Your grandpa doesn't look like you. Kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> that was stupid of me, but fun. No, <laughs> no. I I I mean, just for me, I think because my my it was just that I had seen the movie, the 2019 movie first. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, but it feels so separate too. Like almost immediately, you start thinking of it as its own thing. I agree. I, I 100% agree. And I a lot of people describe this, like if a lot of things of like in afterwards or discussions of it, people compare this to like his, his Shakespearean story of hell, like putting Hellboy in like, and I think when they say Shakespeare, they mean more epic and like tragic, tragic and like, you could maybe say poetic in a sense. You yeah. know what I mean? And I see that, especially because, I mean, Darkness Calls definitely ushered this in, but Hell, the Wild Hunt is continuing it and bringing more to the table. But we're really seeing Hellboy play with the world that he he only discovered that he was part of in Seed of Destruction. You know what I mean? Right. He might he might have had hints at his involvement in it in prior like adventures he's had, but Seed of Destruction confirmed like, hey, you're a big part of this this broader world. This world, this hidden world, now he's like fully in Wild Hunt. Like, oh, you're interacting with it, and you're a part. You're you're one of the, if, if for lack of a better way of saying it, you're one of the chess. You're one of the main chess pieces. Yeah. <laughs> for I assume the end of the world. Still, it's like I I guess I I know that this run like it, it's tough because I know that. The title continues to be published after this. So, of course, that means that the world doesn't end in this storyline. 
So I think that that removes a little bit of the drama, a little bit of the stakes, because I know that the world's not going to end at the end of this one. Right. But it still makes, I still want to read it. I still want to see, like, what what's the dealio and, you know, just more... <laughs> Try to get some answers for things that have been teased for, you know, for a lot of readers for decades. For me, only like a few years at this point. Yeah. Walking into it, what are the like, what are your major like questions you have? I'm just curious. I guess just what the difference was will be with the Blood Queen. And I guess that's kind of my only like big question. All right. Yeah. I will say, I'm without giving anything away of, of the future issues, I will say that I still think that Mia Jovich was a perfect casting for that character. Yeah. Even based off the source material, I just think they fucking did her wrong. Do you know what I mean? And and I'll I'll have a greater argument for that when we actually get deeper into the Wild Hunt throughout the month. But um, I I I think the Blood Queen is fucking. Stellar and it's like it's I'm like, excited. We still don't get to see very much. You know, we see her for yeah. one panel in this. Oh yeah, we'll talk two. about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't yeah, know like, yet, but I yeah, I assume yeah. she's cool. Yeah. And then like thinking about the end of Darkness Calls, like just thinking of like Hecate, how is that going to tie in? Does it tie in? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that. Toth, like Temple of Toth and shit like that. Like, just wondering, like, if we'll get any more insight into that. I guess I, I, I want to see. I don't know when Hellboy reunites with the BPRD. I guess I'm curious if anybody gets involved, like, or is it still just like Hellboy solo show? On that, I'm saying nothing. I'm yeah. saying nothing on that. Hopefully, yeah. none of our listeners spoil anything for you in that regard. I, yeah, I'm sure I'll be fine. I'm very curious too because. Now us reading the other additional storylines that are part of the bigger world of like the Mignola verse and, and whatnot. I'm very curious if too in this reread, because I, I don't know, sometimes, you know, you read stuff and then you sit it down and you forget a, a details and you forget yeah. major plots. I think that's normal. But um, with, you brought up that Hecate stuff. And I'm like, oh, I wonder, besides her being one of these ancient witches and stuff that sort of is behind the scenes, I can see that playing into it. But I'm like wondering... How much it's actually going to play that edition, even though it's in the Hellboy pages, is it going to add to the BPRD and the broader picture? Because we just finished the warning, right? BPRD. Yeah. But our next storyline, I, if, I, if I'm correct, our next storyline coming up in the BPRD in this season and chronologically is the Black Goddess, who is, which we- Oh, cool. Is Hecate. So I'm wondering if these, you know what I mean? They're they're starting to weave a little bit more. Nice. So I'm very curious how that will play out. And again, I'm with you. I'm fresh eyes. I have no is, clue. I, is that like BPRD story being published simultaneously? Like I think all, they're pretty. At like, least it was also coming out in 08 as this is. Coming yes. Out? Okay. I don't think. I think at this point they're pretty. I, I have to check the dates. I don't have those directly in front of me right now. But I'm, I'm sure I could sure just like Google a timeline. Like I'm sure it's. Yeah. Out I think, there. I think they're pretty on track with each other, right? Cool. And then one, like Hellboy, will, will will come to sort of its end, and then BPRD continues until we know that the series is officially ended, cool. you know, as of last, or was last, 2019? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. This is a lot of discussion around it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to top this off, but I mean, I'm just, uh, I'll, I'll let you take over, and we'll, we'll, 
and guide us through this and we'll walk through this, you know, because I'm very excited. I absolutely I even love the first page of this. I didn't I forgot about the first page of how this story started. So I'm just even excited to talk about that. But I'm going to yeah. shut up and hand this over to, you know, Kate to <laughs> introduce us to the Wild Hunt and we'll get yeah. into it. Yeah, the Wild Hunt. Hellboy the Wild Hunt, written by Mike Mignola, illustrated by Duncan Figredo, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley. Um, Boo, originally published Boo. in Hellboy the Wild Hunt, number one through eight, back in December 2008 through um, November 2009. Uh, yeah, and it starts... Starts... It, Kind I have of a like, real quick thing to say yeah. before we move on to the actual issue. This is another yeah. tangent. Do you think we'll ever get a um, cease and desist on our booze from Scott Alley? <laughs> no, dude. They don't give a shit. <laughs> no one's listening. It's important. <laughs> I had Scott Alley's joke. not going to suddenly start listening to a woman. <laughs> Woo! There we go. That was great. Just kidding. I don't, I don't fucking know. See, you know, stop me from, from what? I don't know. Like... It's like public shit. Oh, that was just, that know. was just, you teed that, I teed, that was good. <laughs> All right, back to actually why we're here, the Wild Hunt. <laughs> the Wild Hunt, yeah, it starts off in Italy, and we have like an older guy on his bicycle, like riding around on these like cobble, old cobbled streets through a uh, part of Italy, and he approaches this like, Looks like it like it was probably this magnificent sort of like manner at one point, but it it's a little run down, a little dilapidated now. There are like yeah. leaves scattered about on the on the front step. And he leaves a letter there, but like it it looks terrified, you know, and Hops on his bicycle, like, legs flying, trying to get the hell out of there as soon as he can. Yeah, it looks like to me like we briefly pop into, like, an old neo, uh, or what is it, uh, neo-realism of, like, Italian films for the opening of this storyline. Yeah. Like, The Bicycle Thief or any of those early Italian films. And it's very fun that he, I love that we're just with him for this full page this old, I'm guessing a courier or a mailman, as you said. And yeah. I like that the it's the Cree that possibly it's like almost a sound. Yeah, yeah, but, definitely. Like I got the, you know, like a rusty door hinge kind of a yeah. sound from that. Like he propped the letter up against the door and then the door instantly started responding. Ooh. <laughs> but it's like clearly nobody's come in or out of this house for a while. <laughs> and then the door continues to kind of like creak open. And the wind seems to blow the letter right into someone's hand, into a cold, blue, like, seemingly old woman's hand. Yeah. And the letter is addressed to Hellboy and has this big, like, wax stamp on the other side, or wax, like, seal on the other side. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty, like, ominous beginning. You know, even, even for... It's like for an old man to be scared of a haunted house, it must be like pretty spooky. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's like had plenty of years. It's not like a little kid being scared of a house, you know. Mm -hmm. It adds a little weight to it. So it's fun. Yeah, I like it. I love like Figredo does a lot of really great hands in these two chapters. I love the yeah. hand holding the letter. That's just a great, cool, thin panel right there. 
Yeah. Then it cuts to Hellboy kind of like curiously peeking out through some trees through in the woods. And he is having he has like a conversation with a bird. He was like, what's this? And the bird explains that it's Dagda, the the last king, the like fairy king that we've been seeing for a while now. Yeah. Has finally died. And these like people or like fae creatures are honoring him at his funeral. He was murdered, but like the bird doesn't really elaborate on that too much. Like Hellboy's like, what happened? Murder. But we know it was uh, those Gruagak and those other little like uh, elvish characters Mm -hmm. stabbed that motherfucker and cried about it. (laughs) Yeah. Sort of a like, what have we done? Like that time is passing kind of, you know, it's like the end of an age. Yeah. For these fake creatures on Earth. And the bird sort of talks about that a little bit. He's like his, you know, his son is here. Like one of his like last, the last of his sons. He's not going to pick up his father's sword. So like these people won't fight for earth anymore. They'll like go into the, into the earth or something. Like, you know, they'll just recede from this like mortal world. Yeah. And the bird's like, uh, it's coming. I can smell the smoke. What? What's coming? War and the bird flies off. I love how quiet the like John, Clem Robbins put the like it's a regular size um, word bubble, but the yeah. word war is so small, so it's just this war. It's such <laughs> an effective way to make it to make like one word not be loud but still have gravity. Yeah, you know it's really great. More great Figredo hands with the Dagda's like hands folded on top of the sword, just like you know gnarled sort of like old tree trunk looking yeah. fingers, you know, very ancient. Mm-hmm. And then Hellboy calls for the bird to come back. And Alice is among the people watching the funeral. Mm-hmm. And she turns like hearing, having heard Hellboy, Hellboy says out loud, Alice. But then you he- see that Hellboy, you know, in this background color has changed to like indicate to us immediately that he's like, in a different location, they say, poor boy, he was dreaming. So he's, like, waking up. He's <laughs> hanging on the couch, just, like, wasted. There's, like, fucking cigar butts and, like, bottle empties, you know, by him. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to, we're really seeing that Hellboy deals with his issues in a bad way. <laughs> <alcohol>. Yeah, <laughs> he's going through it right now. Mm-hmm. And these women, they're not like an ominous presence, at least in this first panel. They're like, no. male, for, male for you. Like, they seem sweet. They're like smiling. <laughs> and then in, as you like turn the page, the top panel, you see them in their like true form, I guess. They're like s- corpses, you know? <laughs> yeah. So Hellboy's hanging out with more dead people. <laughs> it's a sad existence to know that like that's who he prefers to be with. Yeah. Dead people. <laughs> yeah. So who the hell knows I'm here. Oh, and he turns the back. He sees the wax seal for the Osiris Club. And then 27 hours later, somewhere in England. So it's like sort of a rushed thing. He's like, I better hurry up and go meet them for whatever they need. He's meeting them at like a half torn down ruin of a church. Yeah. There's all these old cars, like, you know, like the English equivalent of like Model T's, basically. (laughs) They're like old Rolls Royces or some shit. It's interesting that they parked so far back away from the church. They look yeah. as if they, they walked up, but they it's very funny. Yeah. Or interesting for whatever reason they chose to do that. I guess they're 
being respectful of these grounds of some sort. Yeah, maybe it's like still hollowed ground or something. Mm-hmm. So Hellboy like approaches them. There's our man. He's late. You know, like these guys are. <laughs> they're assholes. They're kind of assholes. They're just rich, like pompous. They're dressed in fucking tuxedos out here. Yeah, they're very like, patronizing you know, this entire time. <laughs> you get the impression that these guys normally just wear tuxedos all the time. Yeah, so he's like, you know, they're kind of commenting on how it's been difficult to keep track of Hellboy. He's kind of been doing his thing. He's been lost at sea. He's been hanging out with ghosts. And so it's been tough to to find you. We finally discovered you in Italy. These last several months, you've been living in the home of the uh, Capo Bianco sisters. Um, so they're a couple nice old ladies. So, like, they're like, yeah, they've been dead for 12 years, you know. And he's like, well, you know, I haven't seen you guys in 50 years. You're looking pretty good. You look the exact same as you did back then. That's true enough. Mm. <laughs> but it's only to make a point. And so they kind of, like, are getting to why they called Hellboy there. The giants who used to kind of have reign over the entirety of like the UK basically are starting to emerge from their graves and it's like yeah that happens every now and then but now there's six <laughs> and that's pretty bad like before if there was like two or three this Osiris club would band together and take some giants out but this one is like now there's six and we need a we wanted to like call on you, I guess, to come as like our guest. And as they're explaining that to him, they kind of lead him down into like down a flight of stairs that it's kind of uh, the doorways in this church. You see the mounted heads of the hunted giants that have been Whoa. like, you know, claimed before them in like varying states of decay. Such a cool. Yeah, panel. it's really cool. And yeah, at first the heads are like. As big as like Hellboy's torso, like they're, you know, they're, they're, they're very big. They're like giant's heads. <laughs> and then as they get deeper in, they're like more mounted heads and there are cases. One of the cases has a skull that's like taller than Hellboy, which I like the indication that it's like giants used to be very giant, like huge. <laughs> it's almost like, a, I mean, did you watch Game of Thrones? Oh uh, yeah, I did. It reminds me of when they're like going down into the caverns beneath the city and there are like old skulls of the dragons that yeah. used to live there. And like the older ones are enormous mm-hmm. and then they kind of like shrank. Yeah. Over time. Yeah. I thought that was cool. That is cool. It's a great detail to catch too. Yeah. And it's just like fun. They're like cool looking. They have like different piercings and tusks and like, you know, each head. It's not like one uniform head Figredo like gives each of them their own like various protrusions and like <laughs> kind of hair and stuff like that it's fun yeah it's great um as they get deeper in it's the walls become like less dilapidated and more refined there's like ornate frames with pictures and paintings of old hunts mm-hmm. and the Osiris club members are like continuing to explain Oh, by like candelabra light too. It's like very moody. You know, even the Scots and the Irish organizing their own hunts, if you can believe such a thing. Elboy says, yeah, sounds pretty bad. And then he takes a close look at one of the pictures on the wall. Uh, One of the photos is from 1943. And he's like, is this? And they say Trevor Broom. He was uh, was a guest of the hunt in 43. 
and as I recall, conducted himself well. Hunting giants, I'll be damned. He never (laughs) mentioned it. So, like, you know, it's interesting for Hellboy to still be discovering things about his dad, basically. Yeah. You know, and he also is like, yeah, but then he never did say much about you guys. What's the deal with the masks? Uh, Because the everyone in the hunt who's like not a guest is wearing these sort of like, you know, like what like a green man is. That's what it makes me think of, like a guy that's basically like a human form made out of like leaves and bark. And oh, shit. I didn't know that was called a green man, but I know what you're yeah. talking about. They, yeah, they look ornate like or like the mask look as if they were carved from wood. Yeah. I agree. That's right. And then they have these sort of like scalloped edges like a leaf or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the regular officers keep these to like, just keep their identity secret until they've drawn giant's blood. And the guy with the big deer head has the honor to represent Hearn or Herney, god of the hunt. And then finally they're in this big chamber where we have one of the Osiris Club members with the deer head on in front of a huge (laughs) tapestry. Of a different guy, like, leading a hunt on horseback. I'm assuming that has to be Herne, right? Like, that's a a painting of the god? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That's what I'm I'm guessing is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, like, all gathered together already. You know, people are already standing there in their masks. And the leader of the hunt is holding um, a big spear and is saying, Will you ride out with us to kill giants? Hellboy takes the spear and says, sure, why not? And it's like still smoking. Yeah, he, I mean, it's very interesting. Um, yeah. I looked up God, the, the, the Herne, the god of Herne, and this is really the, the tapestry that we see behind them is based on almost exactly a, uh, an illustration by George Krushenk, um from 1843. Herne with his steed, hounds, and, bo- and owl. And so, um, oh, cool. definitely this old ancient uh, legend of Herne. Awesome. And it, and it looks like he's directly from the earliest written account of Herne comes from Shakespeare's play, The Merry Wives of Windsor. Mm. Never read it, but hey, there you go. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> That's cool, though. Good looking it up, Dave. Yeah, it was a quick, you know, nothing, not, don't, I don't act like I'm a... Scouring it still informs it. <laughs> and then it cuts away from that to Grauguk and he, you know, elsewhere in England. And a little like hedgehog is really giving Grauguk the business out here. I he's love like, this hedgehog. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's like, what are, what are you doing? Like, uh, you know, he wants to know like what the deal is. It's months now and no word from your uh, seely court nor your court of Elion, and no word over the water. Where are the trolls, eh? How's it with the fiends? And, like, they're like, shut, shut up. Like, we're dealing with giants right now. Ah, bugger giants. Like, this guy. <laughs> I love this little hedgehog. He's just, like, an asshole. Grauguk's like, okay, listen, I have the queen in this box. She talks to me. She tells me what's going on, you know, and she's going to come back. It's going to be great. And all of these things that you're referring to are going to come when she calls them <laughs> and like lead this, these fey people who now are kingless. And he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, it's fucking suspicious. She only talks to you. And he's like, yeah, she's going to speak when she's ready. She, I'll talk for her for now. And <laughs> the hedgehog's like, this army, these poor creatures of England, their king is dead. You promised them a queen. She'd better be coming. 
and you see like Grauga kind of like leaning over the box in this sort of like heavy way where he's yeah. like weighed down by the I guess by like the promises that he's been making to these people. Yeah, that's what I I, I gather the same thing. Like he's made some major moves and now like it sort of has stopped. Yeah. Doesn't know what he's sort of lost in what to do next other than wait, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And they're saying they're, he, the hedgehog's telling him like, or it'll be hell to pay Grogok and your head will roll for it. <laughs> and then it's uh, back to the hunt. It's like, you know, the middle of the hunt, the like horses are going. They're riding quickly following this leader, this like stag herny head leader. <laughs> and the rest of the Osiris Club is like watching through this medium holding a crystal ball. Yeah, it's the same way, number when they sent him to go deal with that dragon mm-hmm. in Nature of the Beast. They're doing like exactly the same thing that they use that medium. Uh, they say her name and I can't remember it right now. It is Lady Hatton. Hampton. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing the same thing. They're observing. It's very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So they're watching that go down and saying they're close. And then one of the masked members of the Osiris Club starts talking to Hellboy. Uh, <laughs> Hellboy's like, yeah, how do you guys like tell each other apart? Because you're all in masks. Like, how do you hunt like this? And he's like, uh, I am Sir Richard Ashtree. He's like really pompous right away. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, Sir Albert Ashtree my, was my grandfather. And, you know, he's dead now. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember him. Nice guy. I helped him out with this uh, giant slug that used to slip up into his house all the time. Um, <laughs> I love how specific it is. Used to ooze up out of the floorboards every Christmas Eve in the yeah. image of this giant slug. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking nasty. And then Richard Ashtree is like pissed off. He's like, and you burned that house to the ground. Blew it up, actually. We tried a bunch of stuff, but that thing was nasty. Like Hellboy's <laughs> just like. Telling the story like, yeah, yeah, that house was decimated. You know, yeah, he's that was like a tough job. Telling it as though he's agreeing. And then, <laughs> yeah, Richard continues being like, that house had been in our family for 400 years. It was a gift from Elizabeth I uh, to the first Lord Ashtree. Yeah. Oh, wait, are you pissed that you didn't get to inherit the slug house? Like, he's like. <laughs> One of my favorite lines. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a. Like, now Hellboy's like re- realizing, like, oh, this guy's like being a dick. <laughs> And calls him a monster and then, like, kind of stomps off. Yikes. Yeah. And the medium is sort of taking note of that, like, arrogance, stupidity. There's always been that in the hunt. And then, you know, they're kind of gathering around an area by a bridge and making it sound like they're just, like, waiting for the giants to show up. And the medium is, like, continuing to talk, like, fear, treachery. And then we see one of the huntsman's spears pierce Hellboy right through the middle. Yeah, right. Oh. Yeah. Uh, through the back, uh, he's like, die, monster. And Hellboy falls from his horse. You should have never come back, cousin. We know what you are, and the devil will never sit on the throne of England. What the hell are you t- <laughs> Like, yeah, Hellboy's like completely flabbergasted. Like, he did not expect rudeness, let alone fucking betrayal and stabbing in the back. So, yeah, and then they like the the like harpoon sort of spear that's inside of him. They like click this little, almost like a remote or something. And that spear starts electrocuting Hellboy. Yeah. They fucking are trying to really do, do him in. Yeah. And at this point he's like half dunked in the, in the Creek, like this little river that's been running under the bridge. 
Uh, so yeah, he's pretty fucked. It's like, <laughs> he's in bad shape, and that's just the end of the first chapter. Yeah, before we move on to chapter two, let's just talk about favorites or moments that really yeah. stood out to us in this first this this first chapter. Because, uh, it I mean it's gorgeous. I mean you've already touched on how gorgeous Duncan Figueredo is, and but there's a lot of like good coloring throughout this that Dave Stewart's doing that is just. God, he knows how to create such great atmosphere with his colors. Like, yeah, I, I as we were reading it, I was just like blown away about how simple this is. But like the use of his color that shows light in like when they're outside those ruins before they go down into the giants like gallery, he, like the use of like how we it's nighttime. We probably have like a little bit of moonlight blue going on. But then the candelabra is giving off that very that golden hue and it's just yeah. so well placed. I love it. And it bleeds slightly on like, there's never that moment where you're like, Oh, he's just like compartmentalizing the light. Like I, th- like, I think it'd be easy and hard. I mean, it's hard of course, but like you could compartmentalize, like here's where the light is and here's where the light is. And he like, he like takes the time to like Dave Stewart to like, let that light bleed onto the, the couple of like Osiris club members where it's yeah. slightly hitting part of their clothing or their face. I love that. Oh, like just great detail in there. Yeah. Oh, and here's the thing we have to compare it to this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's insane to me that like in the little that we see of their space, how much character there is. Yeah. And, and like, like, we see this staircase with all these giants. We see this gallery of like giants and then these portraits and this walls, even this gallery, like this main hall where they have this giant tapestry that you, I just feel like so much. I feel history when these limited panels right. with the Osiris's club and this, the wild hunt, the movie itself. It was like, if you go back and rewatch, I literally, when I was watching this, I stopped and I was like, I got to look at this. And there's I was going to say, I hardly remember the buildup to, I mean, I remember the hall itself. And it's, it felt like, you know. It's an empty fucking set. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's so empty. And it's like, you had, I mean, I mean I get it. You had budget restraints, but I'm like, you could have, sh- sh- it's like they have that one circle hall that seems a little or- ornate, but everything else just seems like a set that they were trying to quickly right. shoot through. And it's just like, you had this, you had all of this sitting here. And like, I wish that, like, if there was one thing I can't remember, because I'm not going to go back and probably rewatch the movie anytime soon. But it's like, you had this shot with the tapestry. And like, I rewatched the scene and it's like, all it is, is like him going, what's with the mask? Like, am I going to have to wear that? Oh, and this is just like, I think you get his Hellboy's humor out even more. It's more subdued here. It's less like douchey. Yeah. (laughs) It's more just Hellboy being a guy that's like, yeah, I've spent my fucking last year underwater on a fucking island. I died. I, (laughs) I had to fight off fucking Baba Yaga and a fucking, a Russian deathless assassin. Fucking. I'm just tired. That's where my humor, like his humor is coming. Yeah, from. he's like, it just feels exhausted. <laughs> like when they're explaining, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, Scottish people and Irish people are are even starting to fight them. He's like, yeah, sounds pretty bad. But he's like <laughs> looking at a photo. You know, he's kind of like in his own world a little bit. Yeah. He's not like being a dickhead. And he's not like, you know, just yeah. like, let me go listen to my ACDC <laughs> eight tracks or whatever the fuck. Like, 
you know, he's he is like gonna help, but he's also like he's sort of like in the wind. He's like a little meander. Like he's like he's got his own problems and weight on him, and he's just kind of trying to get wasted and avoid his problems. And like, you know, they're kind of coming to him. Yeah, which is interesting you brought that up is it feels like him agreeing to the Giants in this and even showing up for the Osiris Cub is almost like he sees it as another distraction away from his bigger issue of what he is, which leads to like why it's believable that he gets like he gets doesn't see it coming. You know what I mean? The stab. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, you guys got another problem. Whatever. That's what I. That's what I do. That's what I'm going to keep doing. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. He wants another distraction. And again, um, the movie is what it is. But the movie had him dealing with his daddy issues so heavily. Even though his dad was alive and he's just like a a fucking little twerp dealing. And like what I loved about this is that like there might be this history with his his dead father. But he still is like there's a little bit of just like curiosity that. You know, it's not worn on its sleeve. He's not like, oh, my fucking yeah. dad. He didn't tell me about this. I'm fucking. Ugh. Oh, right, right. Been out of shape. He's just like, oh, that's, hey, wait, 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 wait. Is this my, is this who I think? Is this my fucking human dad? <laughs> like, Yeah, he's like just surprised to see him. He's not like begrudging his dad for not telling him. Yeah, exactly. He's just yeah. like, yep, he didn't tell me a lot of stuff. <laughs> Like, honestly, the way it sounds is like Trevor kept it a secret because he didn't want Hellboy involved in it by the sounds of it. He's like, yeah, you know, he never really did say much about you guys. Like, he wasn't like, he didn't like hold the Osiris Club on some pedestal or something. Yeah. And I mean, I know it's it's me. I love this book. Everything they're doing is correct for correct for me. Even catching us up was like so smooth. And the way they yeah. caught us up and, like, reminded us of the journey that Hellboy's gone from, like, the island and so forth and Darkness Calls. Very fun to deal with that, especially to do it quickly. It was it didn't feel like just exposition. It was, like, almost like the way they were talking about talking to Hellboy Osiris was, like, they were talking down to him but not realizing the gravity of, like, really what he had gone through. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you fuck, yeah he's like you fucking assholes right they're just, yeah they're just like oh it's been really hard to find you like just talking about like how it's been difficult for them without considering that hellboy has vanished off the face of the earth because he's like gone to other planes of existence and like <laughs> fought with horrible monsters and shit yeah like they're not even asking about they're not like where were you they're just like good you're here we need you for this yeah we'll talk about that later yeah. <laughs> the rumor of you dying on an island, uh, whatever. Moving yeah. <laughs> it's wild. It's like their thing, like they're only concerned with what they need him for, which to him right now seems like this giant, you know, giant extermination. But for them, it's like, oh, yeah, we need to find you so we can put a, you know, a spear through your heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I love... um. Continuing, I, I want to go back to Gurugak real quick before we move on. But, like, I love all that slug stuff. The interaction with that really just, like, lays down the ground and gives you... I love that that's the way that, that Mignola decided to sort of hint at, like, the turn, not give it away. Like, he didn't tip the hat, but he's, like, he's laying the ground of, like, the, they're not really into Hellboy. <laughs> and here's something that's a minor thing I'm going to gripe about. What I love about this final moment and the cliffhanger that we get is that we are never told that one of these spears or possibly all the spears 
mainly this one, is electrified. Yeah. We're not told. We've seen yeah. it before in Dr. Carp's experiment. We've seen electrified uh, spears. But we're not like, this is what this is. See, I re- rewatching the footage from the movie, they lay out those spears so much. That they were like, we spent a lot of money on this prop. Yeah, and they're like, this is what the, the spear, and this is how many volts, and this is what it would take down to help. And it's uh, like, uh, it's just like, and then it becomes like, of course, like they're going to electrify him later on. You know what I mean? Or when they stab him, it's like he's going to get that voltage. Whereas this, you go, what the fuck? You get like yeah. a cool, genuine, like, as a reader, a surprise. Yeah, it's like already surprising where it's like, oh, wow, I guess you were, you know, but Hellboy survived worse than that. And then he's in the water getting electrocuted. <laughs> And you're like, oh, this might be really bad for him. Like, their their hunting prowess is good. Like, they yeah. are good. You you we've seen all these giants that they've taken down over the you know centuries. Like, they're a formidable villain for Hellboy to have to deal with right now. Yeah, and I think it's that they leave us as readers to be like realize that we can put those those things together. We don't need you to over explain that right. these guys use electrified harpoons or spears you know we can either put it together and like or guess that like did they create this for hellboy that's at least an idea that you could have your or like no this is what they do this modern age this is how they hunt fucking giants but you don't need to have that over explained you just get to have it as a detail that you're like oh god <laughs> like, i i love that i just i think it's a very smart choice <laughs> Yeah, and it also, you know, it adds to, like, this sort of, like, secret society element of it where it's, like, so much of it is tradition and it's, like, embedded in this sort of, like, aristocratic, posh society kind of guys that that this, like, this crew is consisting of. Like, you know, for the one guy to begrudge Hellboy for saving his grandpa, grandfather from a giant slug, but he's, like... That house was a gift from the queen. It's like, you know, you see where the priorities are. You, like, see who these people are. Yeah. And how, like, highly they esteem, you know, they they hold themselves. It's like, that's part of the scary element to it for me. I think, like, that kind of shit is creepy. I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely creepy. Ugh. And I love that it that also it leaves us in such a weird cliffhanger, though we haven't been told anything. Literally their statement of, we know what you are, and the devil will never sit on the throne of England. Yeah. Like, we've seen the movie, unfortunately, that part got spoiled for you. But, like, as a reader, you're just like, what? Yeah, you're like, Hellboy doesn't uh, have aspirations to do, like, anything, let alone, you know, be a king? become the king of England. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to save all my thoughts. I want to go uh, to the end of after chapter two, and then we'll talk more about Grogok and his stuff. Because we're... Sure. He... This next issue, we get to really flesh him out, and it's pretty... I love it. And it even... I mean, what I'm going to love is this next chapter, chapter two, will, like, give us even a little more detail about events in the the corpse, which were, like, cool in the corpse. And corpse is one of the greatest short stories, but, like, we get double it down to like hey well i'm gonna make sure you understood what happened almost in the corpse so yeah so let's get on to chapter two i think yeah chapter two just basically picks up where one leaves off with (laughs) them continuing to electrocute hellboy in this river and they're saying like finish him as he's like you know this 
harpoon is now like white hot smoking thing in the middle of his chest. Yikes. Yeah. And he completely, you know, he blacks out. And when he wakes up, he, well, he like sort of has another dream, right? Like how he dreamt in the first issue. Yeah, I mean, I think because of the first issue, that setting that up, that's what I, you jump into like, oh, this, he's going to another plane of existence or dream. He's dreaming or he's like also, you know, he's kind of also, it feels like more tangible than just a dream or Mm -hmm. like a vision or something. He wakes up in this like place full of nights and they're covered with like cobwebs and it just feels very old. There's no like bright light, but a light does shine down in a shaft onto a a king with a dragon on his chest some kind of pen dragon you might say (laughs) some knights in a round circle around him so you know you can kind of use sitting on a round table yeah you know (laughs) you're like "Hmm, i wonder who this could be so i think you know you use context clues you're like okay he's talking to king arthur right now who's like uh, talking to hellboy um saying hellboy who said that hellboy and he gets like closer to the corpse of this king he's just like skeletal at this point and but still like sitting up and seeming to be clasping a sword and hellboy's like getting closer and closer almost like going to touch him and approach him and the detail on that you you pointed out is it a, it looks like it's a sheath and the sheath is empty. I can't tell, but do you think looking closer oh, at it, it looks yeah. as though the sword is missing, which would be yeah, because you Excalibur. don't see like the hilt or whatever. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. You are right. Very cool. Uh, and something that's interesting, uh, we'll have to come back to it. But there's a there's a figure behind him that's in like a silhouette, uh-huh. and they have a helmet with wings. And I'm very curious if that what that is and it might that imagery might come back later and i'm i don't know i'm, I'm catching it for the first time as like a, a rereading and rereading i'm yeah. like oh is that connecting to this we'll see i'm alluding to things oh, I, don't. I don't know i just thought like they have you know because all of the knights seem to have like various adornments on their yeah. helmets you know but that like, one's very specific to me as opposed yeah. to the others are very like they have their own flavor but they're like sort of in the same like classical medieval helmet yeah that's all interesting <laughs> i mean i'm just gonna say king arthur is pretty vulnerable if he's just wearing sheet uh chain mail on his head and a crown pretty vulnerable pretty vulnerable dude yeah <laughs> must have been good at fighting i guess you don't need that good of armor if you're <laughs> yeah blocking everything killing everyone first and you gotta you got other knights yeah yeah and then hellboy is like as he approaches King Arthur's corpse hears, wake up. And it's the bird that was talking to him <laughs> in his like vision last time. Helping him out. And the bird, you know, Hellboy still has the thing through his chest, but he like gets up and looks around and everyone's just dead around him. All of the Osiris Club just are lying as, you know, yeah, just been- bodies. They got fucked up. <laughs> The bird tells him the giants are still near. The giants, like, got them. Hellboy's holding a flower, which we recognize from the funeral, Dogda's funeral. They were, like, throwing some flowers onto Dogda's corpse, and the bird seems to have, like, given it to Hellboy. Or, you know, just lets Hellboy know, like, because Hellboy's like, how did the giants not kill me? Um, And he's the bird tells him, look in your hand. As long as you hold that, you're invisible. 
and Hellboy's hearing like, we know what you are, like the words of the Osiris Club. And the bird's like, not that way. You said I'm invisible. He's walking closer to the giants. <laughs> like needlessly, he could just like follow the bird and go. So funny. Yeah. He could go about his business. Instead, he like gets up close to them as they're chomping on the Osiris Club's horses, which is so like nasty. They're like slurping off their legs and stuff like that. <laughs> and Hellboy's just talking to the bird still like, guess you're and the bird's like, shh trying to shush him to be quiet, but a giant's, like, already sort of noticed him and starts sniffing around. Yeah. <laughs> and the bird's like, come on, let's go. And then Hellboy's just like, ah, screw it, and drops the flower <laughs> to just, like, needlessly fight them and, like, get his fucking ass kicked, I guess. He's like... Yeah, I'm wondering, too, like, this is Hellboy, yeah, like you're saying, needlessly. He's, like, depressed and has, has some reckless behavior right now. He's acting 100%. very recklessly. And I'm wondering, too, if he's, like, I didn't, like, he he was, like, pissed off. I mean, he, of course he's pissed off at Osiris Club. They just fucking stabbed him with a spear. Yeah. Is this a little bit of, like, oh, they're taking care of, I don't get to take my anger out on them? Ugh, fuck it. I just want to hit something, so I'm going to hit these giants. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, as you said, it's very... Destruct self-destructive behavior yeah. going on. <laughs> he knows, you know, it's like six giants were hard for a team of giant killers to take down. <laughs> so it's like, this is, you know, you could be Hellboy, but this is still, you're going to get your ass kicked a little right now. He starts just blasting one fucking in the face. <laughs> like it's gone. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Takes out his nine mil and just starts fucking shooting away. <laughs> How's that? And then another one slams down its fist onto him. And he just chucks the gun at his head and it goes clonk against his forehead. It was so funny. And, you know, the rest of them are just like stabbing at him with their giant weapons and stuff like that. <laughs> he punches one in the face with the right hand of doom, gives us a, a nice boom. And then there's an actual boom from the other ones, like from one of the giants punching Hellboy's whole body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, good thing that Hellboys have demon because I feel like that punch would fucking just like crush yeah. a human's bodies. Bone. Anybody else would just turn into vapor, <laughs> It'd just be like dust and blood. <laughs> and Hellboy gets up from that punch and says, "Oh yeah, you like that? Come on, come on!" Like he yelling at them is so self-destructive, toxic energy. It's bad. It's rough. He is, yeah, he's taking his depression out on it. He really just wants to, It's he's like a death wish moment right now. It's like a guy getting really drunk at a bar and picking a fight yeah. and for no reason. And it's like, are you okay? Everything okay with you and your wife or whatever? You know, it's like, yeah. but Hellboy's like taking it out on these giants. And then it just says elsewhere. And we see a bunch of these like fairy folk sort of resting, holding spears, like soldiers waiting for something, waiting for someone to lead them. And we see Graugook, and he's addressing someone who's not in the panel just yet. Who are you, old man? No one, only a traveler. What do you want? I'm looking for the Graugook of, or for the Graugook of Loch Lane. You found him. I don't think so. I saw him once years ago. And he, so this is a cool thing. Like we get to see Graugook's like backstory. Yeah. How he was like one of these fey people. Yeah, he was like an elf warrior. Yeah. He was like. He was like hot like Legolas. Yeah, he was like a cool hottie, <laughs> cool hottie elf. And he rode with the sons of the king against the giants. 
And it was, he was, you know, he was great. He was like a shapeshifter and he turned into a, a big monster, this like big like ox looking creature and kicked the shit out of, you know, killed 20 giants myself. That's the story I heard. What happened to you? Love. And he talks about how he fell in love with a human woman who was like, show me your other form. And he says, no, because if you scream, then my power, uh, I'll lose my powers and disappear and you'll never see me again. So I don't know like what this is based on. Like this must be, I wonder if this is like based on an actual sort of like fey creature from some point in, yeah. you know, <laughs> in Either way, folklore. If even if Mignola made this up or took from something, it's such a fun, it's like feels so folklore, fairy tale-ish where the rules yeah. are just so simple of like you can't scream. Right. Or, like it feels like a, like from a, a, a like a Aesop fairy tale or something. Yeah, totally. Grim, grim, grind, Grimms, Grimms, Grimes. Yeah, Grimms. <laughs> not, grim, not Grimes from Grimes the Simpsons. singing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Grim, hey, Grimey. Grimey? Uh, Frank Grimes. Yeah, so he's like saying how he fell in love with this woman and she was like, oh, I'd like change. I won't scream. So he changes into this monster and she doesn't scream. And then. He changes into a songbird to be like, oh, look what else I, all this other fun stuff I can do to like make her happy. And then a cat shows up. She screams to warn him that the cat is there. And then he was lost. He disappears and loses his powers. And the woman is left crying in this like idyllic sort of like garden that they were sitting in before with the little cat. They're like, what? What did I do? And then you see him like wandering through like a nothing sort of like purgatory, yeah. you know, gray thing with like his clothes in ta- tatters. I wandered alone in the dark for a long time till I nearly forgot myself when I stumbled back into the world and he just looks like a wraith. He's like this sort of like shrunken version of himself. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about, you know, kind of what we saw him from before where he was like, kind of this little diminished looking like imp almost. Mm-hmm. And he transformed into a human baby. I but, love the detail of him saying, I don't know. I don't remember why. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, I was, you know, it's like, why, how, why did Hellboy fight those giants? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, you're in a bad place <laughs> mentally. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember why, but I transformed this baby, but it wasn't for long. I was found by the creature Hellboy. You've heard of him. Uh, and then Hellboy has him by the like iron pinchers and he talks about how Hellboy burned him with iron and he swore he would make him pay for that. I set free Grom, the last of the Fomorian giants. And Grom looks like kind of a bigger version of Grogrick right now. Yeah. Saw Grom. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Grom ate him. Grom yeah, ate we him remember up. this from the corpse. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, by some magic, Hellboy beat him, causing him to shrink to this sad size you see. Eventually, my spirit drove out Grom's spirit, but here I am, trapped. So now he's Grauguk trapped in Grom's diminished body that has had its ass kicked by Hellboy until she sets me free, until she makes me what I was again. And so he's like, you know... He's like forlorn. He just looks so sad. He's like leaning over this box containing the queen, you know, mm-hmm. desperate for her to get to return and and bring him back to his former glory. And this like stranger who's come up to talk to him. Well, you know so, who this is, right? You know who the stranger is, right? 
it's the demon who as Asgaroth, as Azroth, Asgaroth. What is his? Ugh, I I'm bad at pronunciation. These demon names. Who you remember in the bo- end of Box of Evil came and took the crown from from Hellboy and said, "Hey, well, it will be waiting for you in Pandemonium." That's oh yeah this, yeah yeah. That's him. It's this, oh, okay. You the biggest giveaway, like he, it makes it very clear, is his staff turns into the snake. Oh, cool. Okay. So. And he Ooh. has this like slithery staff throughout. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ooh, it's cool. So yeah, stuff's starting to come together. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, Graga, uh, you have faith, don't you, that the queen will like return?" I do. Good. And he pulls out this gold chalice that's full of the blood of every single person from a village nearby, and uh, they're all dead now. <laughs> This is their blood, and he hands it to Graugak, who, like, uncaps it. There's, like, sort of a, I don't know, lid to the chalice. Mm-hmm. And he's got the chalice, and the box opens by itself. Another, like, great sound effect. Creak, like, creaking open. Mm-hmm. I do believe. I, and, like, Graugak pours the blood into the box, which starts glowing and smoking. And all of the, like, fey people start to get up and notice what's going on, the smoke rising. And... The last panel is the queen emerging from the box, looking like whole and young, saying like, behold, your queen. And Graugak's like stepping back and there's like cool smoke everywhere. And blood is like seeping from the box and it's really eerie and cool. I love she's just covered in blood. And that's the end of chapter two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a what a great introductory panel cliffhanger for the Blood Queen. Woo! It's pretty evil too. It's like, oh, the blood of every man, woman, and child from a village is kind of what it took for you to come back. It's like ominous as hell. Yeah. Woof. I love it. I just think that's such a great inner like a a first reveal for the Blood Queen versus what the movie was like We'll have her um, getting sewn back together in front of a television. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just not very dignified. This has such power and ominous energy yeah. and just like, you know, she says very little, but you're like, oh, this is some, this is something else. <laughs> yeah. She, at no point did she watch Love Island <laughs> in this version. She didn't need to watch Love Island. No. You know, that scene was definitely for Beth. <laughs> I I mean, when I was watching it with Beth, I was like, I can't fucking believe that. <laughs> like, you're probably the only person, like, Beth and I were the only people watching it being like, oh my God, fucking Love Island. <laughs> I mean, not now. Love Island's all over the place, but. For sure. But then. At was- the time, I was like, no fucking way. So funny. Yeah. So for that movie to put this, that weight in it. <laughs> uh, that dumb joke. But this is wow. I mean, who knows? This is like a, this is like a cool chapter too because it's pushing the story forward. But it also left like we're we're sort of left with two cliffhangers. Like, okay, is Hellboy gonna beat up all these 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 giants or not? Are they gonna get a good couple beats on him? Yeah. And then now it's like, okay, the Blood Queen is shown. What's next? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Ugh. But it's. I think you said it earlier. Uh, um, for for a story that has a lot of density to it, it they really it's clipping along. 
and it's not leaving oh, me yeah, ever confused. Oh, yeah, it moves. Yeah, it moves so quickly. Like, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, wow, it's already done. <laughs> I mean, it's eight chapters long, I guess, so. But there's no wasted panel. Panel is moving it, is progressing it along. There's yeah. really not, like, a panel that just feels unpurposeful. That doesn't give you enough information. Because even, like, I'm going to point out one of the panels, what I love, is, like, we get a confirmation of, like, the Osiris Club got fucked up. And that's that close-up panel of the uh, the guy that had the steed on his head dead in the water. But then you put a, re- a repetition of his line of, we know what you are. It's, like, panels like that where I'm, like, you're, ge- you're, you're keeping – you're reminding me of the mystery and moving the story forward. Yeah. And it's – I think the whole – Wild Hunt does that consistently. <laughs> Is it ads? But then it goes like, we're not telling you all, but we're going to keep you, we'll give you a little breadcrumb and keep you going. <laughs> it's cool. And uh, I mean, okay, let's talk about Gravagok, who has just become. Yeah, what were you thinking about it? He just becomes one of the coolest characters. Like he is like a side character. He was, he literally was like a one off in the corpse and then has now come back and we know we've seen it before and we in the past, but this really just fleshes him out to such a degree that I absolutely love him. Yeah. It's so fun. It's like almost like a, it's like this little Easter egg of a thing where it's like, Oh, I gave you this character's backstory and you kind of didn't even know it. Yeah. You know, cause he's this like shapeshifter guy who also inhabits the body of Grom and like, you kind of you don't even realize that it's like you or you kind of forget. Yeah, you I, think it's like oh, this is this little minuscule character, but then he comes back and becomes this, you know, integral part of this larger thing. Mm-hmm. And I I think that is a quick thing you over the years if you were reading or like how he'd been chronologically, you can easily forget that he was a a little elf imp dude that got eaten by one other creature. Then now he inhabits that person's form (laughs) a tiny version of this giant yeah um which is another thing that like i'm the one thing of the movie i thought was it was like one of the coolest things was like they did a great job of designing gruagok for the movie like he looked cool in the movie yeah oh yeah but i think they didn't they missed out on all this cool character-based stuff within him they just made him sort of crass but then he yeah. was also big, so he could face on. He was big already. If they ever did Grugak again, I'm going to put myself in the running because I would love to play the body. Grugak <laughs> seems like he should be like my size, 5'2", but dream of being able to go be bigger. And in the movie, I was like, he just got like bigger shoulders when he got his power back. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you never see him as like small to the point where it's like you're not imposing at all. Like he was imposing... The whole time in the movie, I thought. Yeah, I would argue that if he was in this little tiny, tiny size, ripping apart those priests, he'd be a little more like he'd have bite to him. He'd have this like disgust because yeah. he's just full of rage and anger and that and sadness, which is what we get in these pages. Is oh yeah, you get like we already saw him sad in the prior issue of of chapter one, which I love because he's not only he's getting it from all sides. <laughs> Yeah. Like these fucking mystical creatures are like, hey, buddy, like, what the fuck is going on? You fucking killed a king, Trogda. You got that you, you're claiming all these big things, but nothing's happening. So he's like feeling depressed about that. He's like, oh, man, did I do the right fucking thing? 
Yeah, it's like, is this all for nothing? Yeah, and it's just because of my own, like, which it is. A big part of it is his own fucking want of just being returned to what he used to be. Uh, but he's making he big... He wants the glory days. <laughs> yeah. But now, and then we see his glory days even go further than what we've known. Yeah. Which I love in that his fairy tale. And then this demon comes and is like, okay, I'll help you out. <laughs> oh, wow. I love, I mean, all his fairy, his backstory. It makes him a villain. Like, everybody talks about the two good cinematic villains right now, uh, Thanos and Killmonger. Where we're kind of like, oh, okay, we like these villains because they have a fleshed out point yeah. of view that, like, you don't agree with, but you're like, I get how they got there. That's how I feel about Groundcock. I'm like, you're fucking a great villain because I feel sorry for you. Yeah. And I can track your trajectory. Why are you are? You, like, weren't bad before, you know? He was, like, helping to fight the giants, like, in a similar way that, you know, that humans were fighting them. And mm-hmm. he looks, like, more humanoid and stuff like that. He falls in love with a human woman. Like, there's a lot of, like, vulnerability to him before that. Yeah. And then he's just kind of doing bad. He, like, falls in a bad way and then starts doing little menial bad shit (laughs) after that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I love it. I mean, he, I just think when they adapted him into the film, I think they just did him a disservice. They didn't tap into any of his... What makes him tick? Yeah, it's interesting to me that they would like include all of the like Hellboy in Mexico stuff because it's like do one or the other maybe like you kind of only have one movie. You have very limited time. I don't know. It just seems like you would want to flesh out and focus on the characters that appear in in one or the other. Mm -hmm. I would rather see a full movie of one or the other, not like all of the stories mashed together. Yes, I agree with that. You know. That's peeking in at me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in the middle of recording. (laughs) Oh my gosh. She's like, are you talking about Love Island in here? Yeah, she's like, did you hear Love Island? Did you guys say Love Island? Yeah, we did say Love Island. Did you? Yeah, because we're referencing the movie. movie, Yeah. Um how the movie is garbage, but that Love Island movie is definitely (laughs) great for you. <laughs> Are you just gonna stand there? <laughs> now she wants to hear it. Back to the wild hunt. <laughs> I gotta talk. I mean, did you have any other thoughts about Gruagok? I mean, ugh, I just think I just think he's such a cool, well, like Mignola just fleshed out fleshed him out so well. It just yeah, it makes me sympathize with him so much more. He's just like a wayward knight who you know, got caught up in all this other shit because he wants to like get back to his old his old self kind of betraying, you know, betraying the kingdom that he was like fighting for back then just to, for his own like personal shit at this point, he's like so singularly focused on Hellboy focusing all of his like sadness and anger at Hellboy. And now he's kind of doing anything that it takes to get revenge on him. But it's like, you know, the world kind of already ground you down before that. It's not all Hellboy's fault. Yeah. Exactly. But he found somebody to take it out on. Yeah. Which is, I guess that's a little bit relatable, too. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, all the, I like this stuff, like, I'm interested to see more, like, kind of, like, about the bird. Ooh, that little bird. Yeah. That little bird's like, what's fun. What's your deal? We'll find out. Um, yeah. Also, I want to give a correction. 
I could not pronounce his name, but the demon that came and killed that entire city or town to give the blood for the blood queen to be resurrected by Grilgok is Astaroth. Astaroth. Oh, cool. Okay. A-S-T-A-R-T-H. I kept putting a G in there. Pretty standard for me to add letters. <laughs> Beth is back in the room laughing at that idea of me <laughs> speaking badly. Uh, um, but I want to talk about that movie. That moment where we find out about the town all dead, that one panel where it shows two people in their beds dead, as if they've been just like, yeah, like a vampire. Yeah, sucked out of them. It made me think, you know who would be great? And this is, you saw Midsommar, right? Yeah, and oh yeah. It made me think that Ari Aster would be a great director to like adapt the Wild Hunt. I mean, that would be so cool. <laughs> he just you'd give it this like weight that we're talking about that the book already offers, the source material gives. Yeah. And just the mythic. I mean, energies. it'll just never ever happen, but it would be so cool. It would be very cool. But yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly just take that from because that one panel of those two people dead in bed made me remind me of the beginning of Midsummer and how yeah. fucking depressing it Horrifying. is. Horrifying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's my pitch for if anybody's going to do the wild hunt visually to bring it to life, I think Ari Aster could do it. That'd be really great. And tackle all these characters. Just somebody who, you know, who understands the underlying, like the horror is from this like underlying relationship shit. Yeah. Which I think is kind of what they're going for here. I think, yeah, it's a deeper, it's a deeper, there's a deeper history that has brought us to this this uh peak but you still get like violence and bloodshed and all that stuff yeah of course i love it i mean that's the thing is like he's like you just said like this deeper relationship thing it's it's like we're what we saw in the movie is like hellboy just be like i'm a cool guy that has angst and i'm just gonna fight giants because giants need to be fought this is like you're watching him make a bad decision he could have walked away and he's going in now we're seeing hellboy straight up do something that maybe we've seen him do be like throw a punch first and think later, yeah. but this is him truly making he a bad choice. Scott free, like he could have just strolled, walked away slowly. That's all he had to do. But he was like, "No, I was getting riled up for a fight." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, our hero is in a bad place. Our villain is in a definitely a bad place. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're adding this blood queen who we just get this bloody butt. That's our little thing. There's a bloody yeah. butt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. I don't know. I, I mean, I've already talked. I mean, any favorite panels or moments or anything you want to point out before we close out here? I guess I... I like this big beast that he turns into for his, like, human girlfriend. I think it's pretty fun. I was going to point that one out, too. It has, like, a little bit of, like, Beauty and the Beast, but also, like, I love his hands, like, ribbed, like, scales. Yeah, with, like, scales. And I like him just, like, sitting up against the box when, like, the demon approaches, I think is fun. Just every hand that Figredo draws is really gorgeous. Even, like, the giants, like, holding a horse. Yeah. Like their hands look really cool. Yeah. There's, like you can almost see everybody's history within Duncan Fregredo's hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. What about you? I really love that last close up panel of the King Arthur's skull in his, with the crown right before Hellboy wakes up. I just think that's yeah. so, I love that that image just leaves us before he get, comes back to. You know, the earthly plane. I think that's fucking rad. Um, 
what else do I love here? I mean, I love everything Duncan Fregredo does. <laughs> um, this is definitely the wild hunt is, as I reread it, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is like absolutely one of my favorite storylines. And it's because of Mignola's writing and Fregredo and Dave Stewart's coloring. Like he, he, I love the way Dave Stewart does chooses not to, to, uh, when he does flashbacks, he doesn't choose to just use one palette to explain it. He use, he chooses, like the slug had like a subdued color to it to give us the idea that it's in the it's a flashback. Yeah, he sort of brings that same sort of pinkish, like these these pastels to parts of Graugok's past, and I love that. Yeah, but it's also he doesn't do that consistently through just as like a. Like, oh, that's just what all of it's going to be. Because when they show him on the battleground as that giant bull creature, a monster, it's like, oh, that's different. It's in battle. There's violence. Right. So he gives it this, like, hue that conveys that. I love that. Uh, every every choice he makes just feels like it, he it display it puts it in a different time, even though it's all flashback. Yeah. Like that gray that he gives when he's a wandering elf in this darkness. Versus, like, with the corpse, you know? There's this green, and then, uh, you just, I don't know. And then, I, every Gruagok where he's sad is <laughs> <it's> perfect. <laughs> yeah, he's, he has such a great expression. You know, he's like a pig. It's, like, hard to give him this feeling of a sad human, but Figredo executes it so well. Yeah, and I just think Astaroth coming in, just at the right moment to manipulate Gurugak mm. to take this blood is so perfect because he's just like he ta- it's like as if a demon just he just waited for the opportunity that Gurugak yeah. would be at his lowest because it's like you could argue there's probably a point where he could be like persuaded you know what I mean at any moment to not go forward but he shows up and I love that panel where he is he has both his hands on the box with him just slumped over and he says I thought that I heard her speak once but now I don't hear anything. But then it's just like a demon using the word faith is always interesting to me. <laughs> it seem it feels like this kind of thing where it's like the demon would do it himself if he could, but Gragak is like this integral piece of this like spell of reawakening the queen. Like the demon provides this blood, but like this maybe like mortal or more mortal than him creature has to do it. Yeah. It's like it's fun. I agree. It's very fun. It's it has a it has a great like mythology to it, like old tales you can pull from King Arthur, of course, because he's directly related. Even Lord of the Rings and all those, but it's it, it's those, but it's not trying to be those. Yeah. It's just being inspired by those tales, but it's like it 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 has its own legs because it's it has Hellboy. Yeah. I love it. 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 It's so cool. There's so many cool. I mean. I just want to keep reading it. I know. I, I want to look. I keep wanting just to keep looking at every panel, but then you, yeah. you know I need to keep going. I know. <laughs> like I want. It's hard sit. not to just read it. You know, it's hard not to just like read every bit of dialogue. Yeah. Oh, that hedgehog. I I love that. <laughs> He's great. I imagine he has like a little Irish accent, but I'm not even gonna <laughs> plague your guys' ears with that. I'll plague their ears with some dialogue. <laughs> I'm skimming back to him when we first see him. Oh, he does have a moment that I love um, back in the first chapter. I love the progression of the dialogue when he's like, Grail Gux like says, they'll come, they'll all come when she calls. And then 
the expressions of the hedgehog, it's like he does like a quiet when. And then he's like, yeah. soon. He's like, when? Yeah. <laughs> Screams at him. And I love he just gives him one more. He's just like, I'll try a little Irish for you. It's you to be careful, Gerograk. She speaks to you only to you. Our people need her he, need to hear her voice. How long do you think they'll wait? <laughs> nice. No, it's okay. Cast but, Dave, Ari Aster, Cast Dave is the hedgehog. <laughs> I want to be put Gowergok, though. I want to be Growl. So funny. Uh, I don't know. That's it. I, 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 I feel like I'm empty on ideas that will just sound consistent praise for just the way the story is moving and clipping along, even though for very dense and long. Yeah. So excited. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Is exactly the sentiment of this storyline. But um, we'd love to hear from all the listeners out there of your favorite moments, your favorite dialogue, um, your inputs or your thoughts on these first two chapters of The Wild Hunt. Please send those to us at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. And then you can follow us as well on Instagram at ahcrapahellboypodcast. Twitter is ahcraphellboy. But if you want your thoughts on the, the show, just a reminder that we'll, we'll respond to anything that you comment on or DM us on those platforms. But if you want your thoughts shared, please give us an email at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Or if you can, please go to Apple Podcasts, go out of your way, give us a five-star review that starts with the word boom. We call those boom reviews. And if you give us a boom review, we'll read your review right here on the show and We'll give you a big old shout out. Those, yeah. are the two, those are the two ways, you know, that you can get your <laughs> words on this show right now is you give us a boom review or you email us. So yeah. do both Not if you can. Not too hard. Yeah. And if you are listening to, any, listening to the show on any sort of platform that allows you to subscribe, rate, and review, please do so. But that's it. The Wild Hunt. Um, I hope we're doing it justice because I love this fucking story so much. Yeah. So, But you can add to that by sharing your thoughts. Any, any any other final thoughts about the wild hunt, Kate? Yeah, it's awesome. I just want to. I just want to keep reading it. Like, burn through these eight issues really bad. Hey, go for but it. I think I'll. I, yeah, I guess I could, and then just reread them as we're talking about them. Yeah, because we yeah. have all of April to enjoy this story. So. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you again, everyone out there, for listening. We really appreciate it. And remember, we love you. Okay, Beth, all done. (laughs) Hi, my name is Eve Sturgis, and I have one question for you. Did you ever think about how much sex it takes to build a family tree? Those recreational DNA companies like 23andMe and Ancestry have such wholesome commercials about being Irish or Italian and connecting family and learning about heritage. But really, it's all about sex. Trust me. I made an entire podcast talking with people about the shocking discoveries and the deep, dark secrets that come to the surface with a few drops of spit. Season three of Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is coming at you April 16th from Campfire Media on all the pod platforms. 